Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the basic block story with my friend Taylor Monks. How's it going, Taylor? Good. How are you, Joe? Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. We've had a good conversation before we hit record. Taylor, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, so my name is Taylor Monks. I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders at Basic Block. And really at our core, you know, we do we do payments for truck drivers. What it boils down to, the people that likely listen to this show, is you could liken us in a way to a traditional factoring company, but on the inside and behind the scenes, it's it's much more technological driven and and kind of automated. So at our core though, we just pay truckers fast. So how long have you guys been around? So originally the idea was kind of conceptualized, I think in 2018. So we started out really, it kind of rewinds back to already like in college, really for me, I, I think I got an idea or I had an idea and kind of, I was interested in, in entrepreneurship and, and different things. And I had made some money in Bitcoin. I used that money to kind of personally be my angel round, I guess. So it's kind of my <laughs> own angel round. I, I, I wasn't really learning a ton in college. So I ended up dropping out. And I wanted to play around with different ideas. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I, I moved back to London where my dad is from and started to kind of just go off the grid and figure out what was the next step. Along that time, kind of into 20, coming into 2018, you know, I'd moved back to the States. My mom picked me up from the airport uh, and I always joke, you know, I, I say this all the time, but, you know, Nebraska really has three things and that's corn, college football and trucks. And, and that's really it. And our college football team isn't great now either. So <laughs> I know that we are we we're talking about that. We'll 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 conference with the AD and figure this out. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 a little frustrating. <laughs> I think we figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my mom picked me up from the airport, and you know, candidly, she was pretty upset with me at the time. You know, I just dropped out of college. You know, I I was a really good student. I I had job offers from some larger you know Fang tech companies to go be a product manager there. And I was playing with a currency at the time that you really couldn't explain to anyone, let alone your mom, who's, you know, 40 plus years old, 50 plus years old. So it, it was very interesting. And she kind of looked at me and said, you know, what the hell are you going to do? And I looked out the window and there were some trucking companies that are based near Omaha's airport. And I said, I'm going to work with trucks. <laughs> so it started as a lie to your mom. Yeah. You know, at the time, it was truthfully at the time, the only thing it was, was to get my mom off my back. And you know, fast forward, you know, a couple years later, you know, four or five years later, right now, it's like my number one obsession. And, and, you know, as we, as I got home and started research the industry, you know, project 44 was blowing up and these other companies kind of early on. And, you know, I, I set out to find a problem. Like we talked about operators and technologists, right. And, and I had a technical background. Like I knew how to do payments. I had worked at TransferWise while I lived in Estonia in college for a little bit. I, I had experience doing some of this. I was really into Bitcoin, hence the name Basic Block. At, at the time, I think it was just like a name that I had and it was just whatever. We don't really do anything with blockchain anymore. And now, maybe in the future, like our 20-year vision, sure. But, you know, we kind of set out on this kind of journey to say, okay, if we can learn trucking, you know, we can we can apply what we know about payments. And and essentially what happened there was well, I started talking to truck drivers along Interstate I-80 at truck stops. And very quickly, we realized payment was an issue. That then led to us actually, and when I say us, I mean me, I, riding 
in trucks. So I've, I've driven thousands of miles with owner operators, like literally hitchhiking with truck drivers. And it was so evident at that point that, you know, payments was, was an issue. Yeah, it was a huge issue. And if we could speed that up, there could be a potentially really big business there and kind of the rest is history, I guess, to this point. Very nice. Very nice. So you t- you started to touch on your background. So where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Give us some of your backstory before you got involved with basic, before you started basic block with your partners. Yeah. So just like basic block, just kind of always figuring it out. And I think it's, that's kind of like the theme of my life, I guess. I was, I was born in London, just outside London in a town called Chichester. My dad lives there. My family lives there. Most of my family lives there now. I moved back to the United States when I was really young um, with my mom. You know, we moved around from Arizona to back to Nebraska and kind of around in those two states. Graduated with 16 kids out of a really small school in central Nebraska and then moved to Lincoln, Nebraska, where I went to Nebraska Westland and played football. And then I was a international. Yeah, I was an international business major. And then I had a few minors in political science. How'd you guys have a football team with 16 kids? You have to go play in the next city over? Yeah, so no, (laughs) we did have a football team in that in in that. In my high school there, we played eight-man football. But then when I graduated and went to college, you know, I obviously played NAIA or D3 football at Nebraska. Yeah, but I'll tell you, that is good football. I think of some of the best guys, you know, from high school. Most of them play, don't play anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so so I always think when you're an athlete, you learn to grind, you learn to win, you learn to lose, you learn to work as a team. And I think that's invaluable, especially as a student, because it's like both are, like, both are full-time gigs. and. Yeah, and I think like I take a lot of what I learned in football and, you know, and I apply that to like us running the business, right? Like our first core value at Basic Block is play fast and win. And those are two core things. Like we need to move fast and iterate and launch products, but also fundamentally we're here at a business and we need to win. So I think that like, you know, those types of things like got instilled into me at a very early age, you know, playing sports and then going to play at collegiate level of like, Hey, we're here to do this. And, you know, startups just like, you know, running after practice or doing weights, like it's, it's not fun all the time. And I think that like the reality is though, like if you continuously do it, you know, you can outwork the people that aren't. And, and that's part of the reason we've grown so quickly. I think. Very nice. Very nice. So you dropped out of college after how many years? I was a senior. So I have 18 or so credits left to finish college. I bet your mom wants you to go back. <laughs> You know, I think she used, there was like this, uh, there was this moment where I think she wanted me to, and now I just don't think she cares, right? Like, I think she's- You're like, doing oh. well. You're doing yeah, well. Yeah, she's yeah. like, you can do whatever you want at this point. So I, I- I saw Bill Gates on a talk show, and he talked about dropping out of Harvard, and I think it was Jay Leno or David Letterman said, I bet your mom says, just think how well you would have done had you graduated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's uh, exactly what my mom says. You know, she's very relaxed with it though now. Good, good, good. So you dropped out because you were already working on Basic Block, right? Yeah. So really, at the at the time, right? Bitcoin. This was 2017, right? So in 2017, I had bought Bitcoin. I bought Bitcoin like 2013 or 2012, somewhere like very early. Are you still in Bitcoin? I have tons of it. Yeah. So I am a Bitcoin. Get a crypto guy here. I am a Bitcoin maximalist. In fact, I, I at one point in time, I took my entire salary. In so it, it's been pretty fun to do. I really enjoy it. Those types of things. It's just like a passion project for me. But I, you know, in 2017, I rode the wave up to you know 22,000. I was in a small town called Aurora, Nebraska, at my aunt's Easter, and like some cousins were talking about Bitcoin to like our other family members. 
probably trying to explain it. <laughs> yeah, and at that point in 2017, I was like, oh my goodness, Bitcoin's just gone mainstream. If like Nebraska Easters are talking about Bitcoin and like I'm not driving that conversation, a lot of people know of it, it's time to sell. So I sold everything I had. I walked away with probably, you know, $60,000, $70,000, which as, you know, a 21-year-old, 20-year-old was like a billion dollars. Yeah, that, that would kill most 21-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea that it was going to be trucking and payments. I had experience through college working at startups, but that, you know, that evolved over time into like the vision of what Facebook was. Speaking of which, and I mentioned this when we were prepping, I have two daughters and one of my daughters moves out to Portland and they were caravaned out. It's a long drive from Michigan to Portland. And they stopped in Lincoln, Nebraska, and they loved it. And I remember my one daughter, because she lives in Florida now, she's like, I could move there. I love Nebraska. And she goes, who knew? And I was like, well, you're from a flyover state. You get that. And you got to be saying if it gets to Nebraska. But I think in this day and age, this is what's happening. You know, we have tech scenes virtually everywhere. And I think if you look and somebody says, well, God, Lincoln, do you guys have internet? And yeah, we're doing all right. And it doesn't have to be on the coast to be a high-tech company. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you can survive on farming, you're, you're smart people and you're hardworking. And that's where, that's what Nebraska has traditionally been, you know, an ag or oil or whatever. And uh, there's no reason those states have anything to apologize for. There's a reason people are still living there. No, that's 100% true. I think, you know, it's always been the Nebraska has always been great to me. Now I wish I spent more time there than I do currently, as I travel so much for work. Yeah, but, and you're based in Chicago right now. You, but you still live in Nebraska. Yeah, so I spend you know I would say thirty percent of my time in Nebraska. Probably I would say probably fifty percent of my time in Chicago, and then the other twenty percent is you know somewhere else, like with work, just traveling either to employees that are remote or investors or partners or lenders or whatever else it is. Right. So let's switch gears, talk a little bit about the problem you guys solve over there at Basic Block. So you you had driven with drivers and you said, what's what's troubling you? What's the problem? What's the worst part of this biz? And what did you learn? Yeah. So, you know, it, it wasn't like overnight that happened, right? Like it's it was over the course of thousands of miles and, and doing it with different drivers, right? A W2 driver that works at Werner has a different problem than you know, a 1099 driver that works, you know, as an independent owner operator. Yes. So I think that like we, and keep in mind, like I didn't know the industry, like I knew no one in trucking, you know, I'd met some advisors along the way that were coaching, but like I had to really go learn. So it was a lot of hours of just like, let me understand what a shipper is, what a carrier is, like what all these different nuances are and how they speak first. And then like, let's start boiling it down to like, where can we, fit in and also then looking at the market and saying, what is the market like doing today and where can the largest leaps of technology come from? And, and throughout that, right, like payment was a large theme, especially on the owner operator level where it, it felt like at that point in time, they were waiting probably two to four days to get paid. And, you know, they were taking up to five, six, seven, eight percent of invoices, depending on what they were hauling. Explain that part. What do you mean five or six or seven? So, you know, traditionally, right, you have your shippers who work with brokers, those brokers contract out to, you know, fleets, whether that be, you know, W2s or whether that be, you know, small owner operators, right? And I think most of the listeners on this podcast would know that the market skews to large owner operator markets. Those carriers just can't wait the 30, 40, 30 to 45 days to get paid by the broker. 
So they turn to factoring companies like Basic Block or any of the others that are out there. And essentially what they do is they sell off a portion of their invoice to in order to get the money paid faster than the 30 days. So when we started the industry standard, I would say it was probably somewhere around like your low end was 3%, the high end maybe 8%, and the payment was 24 to 48 hours, I would say. You know, now we're getting to the point where we are, we're on what we, we, we've claimed this stake, right? We put our flag in the ground and we've actually said, we're going to factor at some point in time in the near future, you know, at 0% instantly. So we want to pay a truck driver for free and do it instant. That's kind of like the basic box kind of core mission. That's what we are, we're shooting for right now. We're one of the lowest in the industry in terms of, and one of the fastest in the industry. Oh, so when you say, so you wouldn't take any fee at all. You say no. that you were owed $1,800. You're not getting paid. We're going to give it to you. Here's your $1,800. Instantly. Now. Yeah. And, and so they don't have to, in the, in the old way, they might've said, I factored this and I'm going to get, I think with normal factoring, you get what, 80% of your money. And then there's a ton of different, all right, like, so there's different products. Yeah. And, I, and by the way, I'll just, for, I think a lot of people are probably familiar with factoring, but I'll tell you my own factoring story. And then we'll get back to yours real quick. I right out of school when I was like 19, I worked for my dad in engineering business and we did work for Ford Motor Company mostly. And in automotive, sometimes the payments go slow. We're supposed to get paid on 30, but we got all these engineers and uh, design engineers working for us and payroll's high, you know, and as soon as it goes past 30 days, like our bank says, hey, you got to pay us, right? And you don't dare not pay them, right? On any sort of loans we had with them. We struggled to get that payroll covered. And so I remember one time just flipping through Sports Illustrated and I, I saw it said, sell your invoice, sell your invoices. So I, I was like, this is crazy. I call, I called a New York company and I said, I want to factor some money. I know what it meant. <laughs> and they said, well, we can't work with you, but we know someone who will. And what we used to do is we take an invoice. And by the way, back then, this is like the eighties, I would drive that. I would drive a stack of invoices over to this company 30 minutes away <laughs> and they would look them all over. They're like, all right, Joe, thank you. Two days later, we would get 80% of that money. But in effect, what they did is they just bought my invoices. So if I yeah. gave them $50,000 worth of invoices, they might have given me 80% of that, whatever that comes out to, and I can make my payroll. And then when the check comes from Ford Motor Company, it goes right to them. Yep. And then they would give me some money back. So let's just say, let's just say their fee was 5%. They would give me the other 15%. And I remember it absolutely saved our company. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But then math happens and you start looking and going, God darn, look how much we pay factoring every year. Yeah. And you say, we, I can't do this. My, I remember my dad said, well, I know a bookie. <laughs> he hangs out at the bar. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I don't want like, to trade our legit factoring company. He goes, no, but it's, it save us money. I was like, that's the horrible thing we found ourselves in, though. Yeah, yeah. Money was much harder to get back in the day. But that's the fact. Still hard to get for truck drivers. Yeah. And, and with truck drivers, they might not have high payroll. That there might be a problem. But they might not be able to put gas in their car to go get their next load. Yeah, if they don't expenses. get paid. Yeah. And by the way, diesel costs a lot more than regular gas, right? And if you go to truck stops, I think truck stop food is 20% higher than Walmart. 
Not that that's a huge expense, but it's an expense nonetheless, and nobody wants to go hungry while you're driving cross-country. And then, you know, it's not cheap to go to a hotel or motel if you need to do that. And I know some sleep in the truck, but this is not, you're living on the road isn't easy. It's, and it's even harder if there's maintenance or bad weather or all the problems that the drivers face. And let's face it, this is one of the many quality of life problems we have with trucking, not having that payment right when I need it. Yeah, 100%. And so enough of my pontificating, get back to your uh, old way, new way. Yeah, so I think that, you know, where, where it comes down to us, right, like it's exactly what you mentioned. These these drivers need cash flow essentially to run the expensive business that trucking is. You know, you can, you know, put pig on, you know, you can put lipstick on a pig, right? There's so many different ways that factoring companies do it. You know, I would, I, I don't necessarily know that I agree with all of them, but how we do it today currently at our current state as we continue to progress to zero is, we pay 98% of the invoice upfront within the same day or 24 hours, depending on how they Whoa, choose. Whoa, that's nice. And then we keep the 2%. We don't have any contracts. We don't have any minimums. We, you know, and we don't do recourse. So if, if the broker fails to pay us, that's on us, not on the truck driver. If the driver wants to leave tomorrow, oh, you can so that's so now that's different because that, uh, mine was recourse. Like if I if for whatever reason, it, God knows, Ford Motor Company wasn't going to fail, but. If they didn't pay, and actually every once in a while we'd get a call from our factoring company and they'd say, hey, still haven't gotten paid on this. Could you follow up? I was like, we sold it to you. <laughs> yeah, so we take on ownership of it 100%. So we pay, you know, essentially, you know, they, they sell the invoice to us at, and we pay up 98%. We pay it on the spot or 24 hours. And then we do all the collection. We take all the risk. And if any driver's not happy, they can leave us. Like we don't lock them into contracts. Uh, where they have to stay, they ultimately can go and, and come as they please. Very nice. Very nice. So I will throw this out there, and I suspect you already know all this, but uh, there's companies, I think Convoy is one of them, that says when you move one of our loads and you use our app, I mean, drop um, use their, you got to use their phone. Yeah. You got their phone app that will pay you, I think, within 24 hours. I'm, I've, they haven't been on my podcast in a minute, but that is that is kind of the, the higher bar. So it, I think this isn't just a problem for trucking companies. It's a problem for brokers because if I can't, if I can't give this to my carriers, they're going to move to someone who can give them that yeah. faster pay or somebody who is partnering with Basic Block. And so it starts to be, can I... I look at, you know, if you're a broker, I have two customers, carrier's one of them, shipper's the other. And one of my customers wants instant pay and without a big chunk of it being taken away. Yeah. And, and, and we've seen as of late, as we've built out our technology stack and, and I think matured in the industry, right? Like, and, and I would say like have become a good voice, especially when it comes into carrier factoring and like the path to zero. A lot of these tech brokers are starting to say, we need to offer this, though that isn't their core business, right? Their core business has always right, been right. capacity is really what it comes down to. And, you know, I, I equated a lot to like eBay and PayPal, right? Like fundamentally, eBay is a place where people go to post things that need to be bought or like a load board, people post loads that find truckers to haul them. And PayPal was the transaction or that, that facilitated that transaction behind the scenes and helped everybody smoothly figure out the transaction. In our relationships with load boards or with brokerages, 
that's how we sit. We sit in that and we essentially are the capital provider that front the capital for the truck driver. And then we work on the back end with the broker or the load board or whoever it is to either revenue share or profit share or do whatever we need to do to, to make it feel like they still are getting value out of, of what is a feature to them, but an entire business to us. Yeah. Yeah. And this is your core. And so let's talk for a minute about factoring companies. So again, I'm getting back to, let's just say 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, we had factoring companies. It's been a very common business, especially like in retail uses it a lot. Uh, trucking uses it. Those guys were financial guys. And again, I can speak to my, my experience in the eighties was I would have to drive <laughs> invoices 30 minutes and drop them off. And then I would pick my check up two days later. Yeah, and uh, very convenient. By the way, that seemed like a miracle. So like, I'm not bitching, <laughs> but that obviously there's that older school would not be technologists. They would be more yeah. financial companies. So you guys come in, been techies from the beginning. And I know there's companies that are out there that are still probably upgrading their technology, but you guys, I'm assuming integrate into TMS and ERPs and anything else you need to integrate into. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, and, I, and you say we're tech from the beginning, you know, how it originally started right as we started to see this payment problem happen is we, I think a really good way to build a good product is to dog feed that product, which means essentially like feed it to yourselves. Eat your own dog food, I think. is, the, is the, Exactly. Is the... Right. Yeah. And, and what, that's what we did at the beginning. So at the very beginning, we found one truck driver that had a, an, a, an, a like a, a bank account at a branch that we had in Lincoln. So we have like a Wells Fargo. And we just like, just in like the last like year or so had like a Chase bank account pop up. And we found the trucker. He banked at Wells Fargo. We said, okay, great. You're going to send these documents to us. We're going to manually build out everything. And then we're actually going to write a physical check. And we're going to go to your bank account at Wells Fargo and deposit it in your bank account. Like we'll have your account routing information, just deposit it, right? And we knew we could automate that up. And that's what we did, right? So like, we were tech, we've always ha surrounded it from a tech mindset, but at the very beginning, it was like, let's just break this down into like the most fundamental way of how to do this really well. And then let's layer on the tech, right? So like, let's understand how to do this at, at the core of what these guys were doing back in the eighties. And then we'll layer in what we know about technology. And, and I would also say is technology for the most part, all the technologies we use are just process in a box yeah. prior to us having, so pr prior to having technology, we always talked in automotive and an automotive guy was process improvement, process improvement. And then at some point we started saying the process is enabled by technology. And then sometimes it's kind of the technology enforces enforced by the technology. I got drop down screen. I pick A, B, or C. There's no D. I can't write in anything. I got to pick A, B, or C, or it doesn't go through. So this is you just what you described there was you guys said, let's understand this process in a non-technical way. And then over time, we're going to make it into technology that absolutely fits what the drivers and the brokers need. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that was a big thing for us. As we started to learn that in the beginning, we then built out our entire enterprise system. So if you're an employee at Basic Block, you work on a tool we call admin. Um, and admin essentially is the brains of Basic Block, where all of that institutional knowledge that we built by manually doing has now been turned into like an entire platform. So most technology companies or most factoring companies, I should say, like they sit on what I would call off the shelf software. 
So they sit on software called Cadence or Factorsoft or input on any other software company, just like Chrome or these others. Like these software companies have built factory products. And that's great. You know, there's a lot of them that do that. There's others that have built their own technology too. And there's some that use a combination of both, right? Well, from us, since really day zero, we've built it from ground up. And, and what that means is it's incredibly flexible. So when you talk about in terms of integrations, our APIs are open, right? We are able to really easily, you know, work with outside parties and provide what our, we would call admin is, is really a decision engine on two-factor or not to factor and how fast two-factor. We can really use that decision engine now and start to actually go out and provide it to other brokerages, which is what we've done in the last year as we've started to work with some of the tech players in the space. Yep. So you mentioned the API, by the way, for a long time on my podcast, I, I joked about API being just magic. That was all it was. But really what we're talking about here is the old way we used to do business was through integration. So I would hire, I say, I, mean, I want to start using your system and I would have to pay Taylor and maybe his company or maybe an outside company to integrate his tech, his, his technology to mine and it would be sometimes very costly. I mean, and now APIs enable just kind of very quick integrations. And so I'm assuming if I went and, and I just was talking about Turbo the other day. So if I go to Turbo and I say, hey, look, I want to work with, I'm, I'm on Turbo's platform, TMS. Could I integrate with you guys? Yeah. I mean, anyone can, right? Like it, it just really, at this point, like we've built out them. So we have documentation. So you're basically those partners with all these technology companies. Yeah. So like if, if, and it's interesting as these larger technology companies start to learn about payments, payments have become hot recently in the last year or so. Right. And as they start to learn about it, typically we're one of the first calls that they make or definitely one of the top three. And when, and, and there's this interesting, you know, part in that it's like, we're just going to put a button in our app that says get paid. And it's like, well, have you ever heard of a UCC filing or have you ever heard of a notice of assignment? And, and they're kind of like, no, they're like, well, that is actually what's required to factor these invoices. It isn't just like pay and get paid. So that consulting that we do with these large- Anytime we talk, and I know you guys are kind of like a bank, although you can't call yourself a bank, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but there are a lot of for good reason, a lot of regulations, maybe too many around this kind of business. And if I'm just, a, if that's not the core of my business, why do I want to wade in, right? <laughs> exactly. And and I think we think of factoring a little different, right? Like I mentioned it earlier in terms of our plan is to factor at 0%, right? And, and how do you get paid at that point? Yeah. And that's a really great question, which kind of revolves into what we were talking about earlier in terms of underwriting and data versus like stale data versus like interactive, right? So basic block sits in this really unique position that we have a combination, a unique combination of data sets that lenders just historically haven't had. So as traditional factory companies haven't leveraged it. Banks don't have access to it. Now, I plug in directly into bank accounts. So I see what's going on in bank accounts. And really what that means is like, I understand how- Safely, healthy. safely. Yes, we, <laughs> we use a third party that does that. But, but we, we start to understand a trucker's business and, and it allows us to go to zero, but extend them credit. So instead of, instead of make, take money off the top, like a factoring company would do, let's extend them credit in a really healthy way that we know is a really good, a good decision and essentially help them grow their business. So instead of making money on, you know, $10 on factoring, why don't we make the $10 on like loaning them the money to get another truck, which ultimately like allows them to thrive or, or just business credit in general. So for us, 
yeah. the way we think about bank, we, we think about the future of basic block is, is you're right, is much more banking focused of how do we extend them credit, help them grow their business versus like, uh, I guess, hinder them in a way, which is a little bit of a necessary evil at this current like state. Yeah. And when we were prepping, we had the discussion about the old way of factoring, which again, it might've involved a fax machine or attaching an email to uh, attaching a, a PDF to or Word document and forwarding it to get the, the product done or, or the, get the money moved. But the problem with that is that's all static information. It can't be used. There's no data insights from that. You give it to technologists like yourself, you put take this, say, look, you use our platform. We have all this data and now we can make better and better decisions we can have better and better insights every single day. We start to understand the market in meaningful ways that the old school without the technology can never understand. Yeah. And and we we leverage it. Like a, if I explained to you the amount of data scientists, we, we're lucky to have an incredible investor that data science, they're, they're a publicly traded company. I won't throw them under the bus here, but they have hundreds of data scientists. So we're able to leverage those guys and those teams and those girls on those teams to understand, because as a startup, like resources, you're always resource constrained, but to have an investor that like their core business is underwriting and, and understanding that with data, it's pretty powerful to say like, oh, wow, like the models that we're starting to generate to understand our own customers, to understand how we can help grow their businesses is it's starting to become really powerful. And I think that as we evolve over time and move from, you know, we're not just a factoring company now, we do much more, but as our core brand moves from just factoring or quick pay or whatever you want to do, or being that payment provider for wherever you go, I, I highly expect us to move into more of, of, of the credit extension. Yeah. And I'm going to take you a little off course here, but it's something I've talked to a few people about lately. When I was your age, <laughs> I'm getting old as so I can say shit like this, but when I was your age, there were stockbrokers and it was very expensive to use a stockbroker. And uh, you'd have a certain amount of money, but I remember using a stockbroker one time and they charged me $300 for a transaction. This is like 90s, I think. And then when they when I sold it, they were like $300. And I was like, God darn, I don't have that much money. They ate up all the profit in their transaction. And you don't see many stockbrokers around anymore. And by the way, if you used to watch college football on Saturday, it wouldn't be seven insurance companies. It would be seven well, some beer companies, some cigarettes companies, and but mostly stockbrokers, Payne Weber, Merrill Lynch. Stockbrokers went away for the most part. And partly when, when the deregulation changed in 78, Schwab came in and said, we'll do these, we'll do trade for $25, which are $15, which is crazy cheap. Well, Robinhood does it for free. Free. And why? Because they're using data and they say, hey, look, Taylor, we'll do your tra- we'll do your transactions for free because it doesn't matter. And I'll throw one other thing out there. The old way also wasn't aligned with us. And what I mean by that is stockbrokers got paid for the transaction. And the problem with that is they wanted lots of transactions, but we as investors didn't. So that so there used to be something called churning. And it was a big deal. They would find some old person who was not very savvy, maybe, or just getting old. And they would say, hey, we need to trade. We need to trade. They were trading every day in these people's accounts and the, their their principal went down every single day. So now we don't so much have stockbrokers, but what we do have is financial planners and the financial planners are aligned. They get 1% of what I got. So if I get a million bucks, they get 
10 grand, right? They want me to get to 2 million bucks because they want that 20 grand. So, so I think we're seeing some changes in, well, first off, I, I know I went a little off track here, but the first point is free. <laughs> and I, and by the way, I think it's not just you are going to go free. I don't know who's going to do it. Why isn't a freight broker say, we'll do free transactions because it's all digital anyway? Sure. And, and, you know, I think like it's in some ways potentially coming right now. I think freight brokerage is a little different. A little further away, a little further away. <laughs> well, freight brokerage is different, right? Because you have to have somebody to manage the relationship with the driver. And that's that's one-to-one. When you talk about the money and the movement of money, right? Like you could do that infinitely, that infinitely scales. Like you're just moving money around. And I think that for us, the comparison that you made to Robinson is a comparison that I make quite- Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah, Robin Hood. The, com- the comparison that you make to Robin Hood is- is the comparison that I often use. As as Robinhood went to commissionless trading, we feel factoring can go to zero, right? We can move this money so efficiently. And, and, and you know, Robinhood now you can bank with, you can have a direct deposit, you can do all these different things with it. They have a debit card, they have a credit card, they have all these different things, right? So that's very much how we view ourselves in the future is today, we're a factoring company that people come to and, you know, on the outside looking in, yes, you could say we're a factoring company, very like the similars, or like, like our competitors. But then when you start to really get into the nuts and bolts of it, we couldn't be more different in terms of how it all works. And then the future, we, we don't look anything like we do now. We look much more like you know financial institution lending and underwriting. And, and by the way, there was some controversy last year, and I thought it was kind of a tempest in the teapot. And it was criticizing Robinhood for selling the information. And But that's kind of the deal. You, you got it for free. They got to get paid somehow. And I think what they were doing is selling it to some people who were able to make decisions. And they were, I think, bigger institutions that were making better decisions because they knew what the masses were doing. <laughs> yeah. So like a, 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 our competitors, right, will always say that, like, if you listen in on our competitors' calls, like I've listened, I, and you know, I have done this, like, because I, I, I will get a customer <laughs> to go call, like to go pretend to sign up to another factoring company and, and watch how our competitors cross sell against us. You're bad. <laughs> yeah. 100%, but I want to know what they say about us. Right. And, and, and what I've learned through doing that and listening to our customers that are never going to leave us, like they will not leave go call our competitors and say, hey, I'm thinking about leaving BasicBox just so I can hear them on the other line of how they sell against us. And I can't speak for Robinhood about selling data, but our competitors will say, well, BasicBox can do it so cheap because they sell your data. They make it anonymous though. I mean, you're not not getting hurt by it. That's fundamentally couldn't be farther from the truth. If like we don't sell data, now we leverage data internally to make better decisions, but it's, it's very interesting to watch another factoring company say, well, they sell your data. That's how you do it so cheap. Right. When in reality, it's no, no, no. We We're don't sell your data. It. We leverage technology to automate this. That's why we do it so cheap. And I think it's, it is always very interesting to me when you see these other companies saying <laughs> those things about us. It's like, you just can't fathom the amount of automation that we have right. to do this at the, the price that we're able to, but that's just what it's like. Right. And by the way, and I think this is there's some competitive advantage here that we need to touch on. When I talked to the Convoy guys a few years ago, it's probably been almost two years now, but one of the things they said is, we pay these people same day next. I think it's same day or next day. Yeah, real quick. Really real quick. <laughs> I used to joke about it. There's VCs get gray hair when they hear this kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> but um, they they they've done a good job on that. And it, and again, it also drives compliance to making sure you're using the Convoy app. I love that. You're not hurting anybody. What was interesting though is every once in a while they would have a shipper who say, Taylor, rather than going through Convoy. Go around them and I'll just pay you direct. And 
I'm assuming they'd also want to lower the price a little. And then the, and the, what the drivers were coming back to convoy and the, the drivers would say, or the carriers would say, will you pay me same day? And they say, no, I'll stay with convoy. So I think if you look, there's a lot of, I'm going to do a podcast coming up here. How many trucking companies get used once by a broker or once by a shipper? And when we have this big shortage and we know there's an advantage to account familiarity, yet I'm working with an ever-changing cast of characters. Yeah, 100%. It's not good for the shippers. It's not good for the trucking companies. I mean, obviously, it's better for the trucking companies because right now they're doing that. But I think this is one of those places where we can give them an incentive if you're a broker or a carrier and you say, guys, you're all set. You're going to work with us. You're going to get paid right now, zero zero percent. Yeah. That's an advantage. And, and Convoy does a really good job of that. You know, I'll give credit where credit is due. I think you know, Convoy does that in terms of, you know, our drivers, right? Like, and just like you mentioned, it's an ever changing cast of characters. Like we remain the single point of contact for those drivers. So we work with over 5,000 different brokers and are consistently adding more every single day. But a driver likes that familiar like face. And for us, right, we handle the relationship. So we know Convoy well. I know who to call at Convoy if there's an issue with documents or those things. And the drivers just drive. You know, so while we also provide them cash up front, you know, and do it quickly for a fee, we do provide a lot of these back office services and we do that for every broker they go to. Yeah. Right? And and that's the interesting part. You know, that's why a lot of drivers pick us and still actually take the payment from us versus Convoy. And there there'll be other options. I mean, this is an eight hundred $800 billion market. So yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. And I think there's very few companies that are actually doing that now. It becomes an advantage. Like to your point, like the faster the payment, the more retention there will be for a driver at, at your brokerage. And and that's that's couldn't be more true. I would say whether you're a shipper or a carrier or a broker, regardless, account familiarity is something that we can't necessarily put a price on and say it's 5% cheaper and better to do it. But we all know in, intuitively that that's the case. If I'm delivering, I'm a driver and I'm delivering to Taylor's location once a week and we develop a rapport and then after a while you go, oh yeah, it's Wednesday, Joe Joe, go, Joe golfs right after this and let's make sure we get them unloaded. You start to know those things. I know where you're, I know where you're located. I know your dock rules. I know, and that's what we want to get to because I think this again makes the driver's life easier. I don't think drivers like the idea that I have to switch around and go to all these different locations. If they have to do it for money though, they will. And I think they're going to do it for other business reasons, but let's not let it be payments. hundred <laughs> percent. Especially when that's not rocket science to solve at this point. Right. So I want to, I want to wrap this bad boy up, but I want to ask you a few things first. So uh, first off, answer in any order you want. What's next for Taylor? What's next for your company, Basic Block? And what's next for the payments industry when it comes to trucking and logistics? Yeah, so I think for me personally, I'm always learning, evolving, and trying to be a better, you know, leader. I think like I, I'm really, I, we're growing to the point where like I'm 27, right? Like, you know, I, I have a dog. Oh, I got t-shirts that old. Yeah, you know, I have a dog. <laughs> like I, you know. I have a girlfriend now, so that's like different. Like, how do I balance these things? But the it, it's it's very interesting to to for me to evolve as a leader and try and, and be the person that leads a group that's 
much older than me, probably on average. So I think for me personally, I'm, I'm always trying to evolve. And I think I'm, I'm trying to do that every day with our board and with my mentors and with our employees and with our leadership team. I think for basic block, it's, it's bringing in some really talented people that can help us continue to, to grow and put up the numbers that we've been putting up, whether that be in partnerships or engineering or integrations or sales. I think that we are well capitalized and now starting to say, let's build out this leadership team. And, you know, we, we were talking about this before, but we you know we just hired a CFO. We have a head of product now. Like we have a lot of All different right. types of roles that we just, you know, as an early stage startup, you don't value. And now we're getting to that point. And then, you know, I think furthermore, right, it's continuing to build the path to, you know, instant payments for free for a truck driver. Like, I think that's core, right? So, you know, we're starting to launch our bank accounts. are on a mission. <laughs> yeah, we're launching our bank accounts. We're launching these other things. And then for the industry, right, like, you know, what's next for the industry? I think it, I truly believe it's 0% factoring instantly. Like, I think that the next hurdle of that is... How fast can either of us, whether it be you know us or any other technology company out there, build scale in order to do that at scale? And I think that the company that can do that the fastest is likely the company that can win the majority of the market or force others to follow suit. And I think that you know if the faster that we can do that, you know the the yeah, definitely the more fulfilled like I would. Right. Yeah. And by the way, the guys we all know this: the technologists when they come to your industry. They just win. They're like Alabama. They're like the Patriots. Well, Patriots are Tom Brady. They are just going to win. <laughs> so you better get on board. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think that's true in some sense. I think, you know, there's a lot of promises that are being made with like open-ended questions on how is this actually going to get delivered from some of these tech companies. And I think that there are some really solid tech company companies that are innovating and doing some really powerful things that will change the industry forever. I think if we can be a small part in that and pushing zero, whether it be us first or us second, or who knows, like, I think that at the end of the day, like I can go to bed knowing that like we changed an industry for something better and ultimately help the truck driver grow their business rather than taking money from them. Yeah, that's excellent. And as I said, when we were prepping, the number one question in this space is where's my stuff? And then, and one A is where's my money? 100%. (laughs) So, I mean, this, in a lot of ways, our business world has evolved to the place where we're all saying net 30, net 40, whatever. You don't ever say net 40 or net 60, but we get paid on that sometimes. Yeah. Right? And I'm funny. I remember working with some web guys and they said, we're not a bank. You pay us right now. And they weren't saying it to me. They were saying to a customer, they said, pay us up front. If you need to borrow money from your bank, go ahead. But we're not, we're not bank. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, that's interesting. And there are people who specialize in it, yourself <laughs> and your company. And most of us don't. Most of us are just waiting for a check. And it's anybody who runs a business is saying the same thing is, okay, you know, I got to check my bank account. I got to check my receivables. I got to check my accounts payables. That's It's never ending, right? I agree. It should, it should get a lot simpler. And we're hopefully, we hopefully could do a small part in that for sure. Yep. So who's your sweet spot? Who do you guys work with best? Yeah. So in the carrier standpoint, right, it's it's sub 10 trucks, though slowly but surely we're starting to climb up market. And, and that's been really interesting to see from a broker standpoint. It's anyone that wants to provide a quick pay option that, you know, drivers are loving and retaining them into their kind of ecosystem and I think that we've done that really well. So I think there's kind of two sides to ours. There's the carrier, which is less than 10 probably is where we're going to outcompete probably anyone on price. 
And then on the brokerage side, it's like, hey, if we can plug in and integrate and, and help get your drivers paid faster at a, a more economical price for you and your drivers, it, it only makes sense. Yeah. And, and then you're also connecting with all the tech companies to make sure you're integrated with them. Yeah. So in terms, yeah, like that's, that is a very like easy thing for us. You know, we've started to work with LoadSmart, you know, Warp, any, any, any you know, up and coming or, you know, at this point, you know, unicorn or so we've had a conversation with or are either in the process of integrating with them or already have done so. Excellent. Excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. I'll also put a link to your website and any other marketing asset your your marketing people give me. And last but not least, what conferences are you guys going to be at? So I'll be at F3 this year in Chattanooga. And then I definitely have to go to Man. I definitely have to go to Manifest. That's definitely without a doubt my favorite conference. Last year when we were there, which I think was the first year of Manifest. Yeah, tell them the story about your your winnings. Yeah, so a lot. Of, so I probably only had like six hundred dollars in my bank account, but I would like to say I like any good entrepreneur, I like to risk it all. So I uh, I withdrew out like you know five hundred dollars, then after the fees, I think I only had like fourteen dollars. I have the screenshots to prove it. In fact, because it was so funny. And I was there with Ed uh, Stockman from Neutral. Uh, we played a little blackjack, and then I rolled over. Yeah, I'm to- supposed to interview him. Yeah, he's a great guy. One of my good friends. And uh, we rolled over to the roulette table and I maxed bet the roulette table, obviously after some Coors Lights. And I, you know, $500 bet turned into $20,000. Whoa. <laughs> no wonder you love Manifest. Yeah, Manifest is my favorite conference. I have a really good track record of uh, doing pretty well there. It was, it was actually pretty great. We we ended up, I, I didn't, I, I, like I said, I'm 27. I don't know a ton about taxes and these other things. I'm like starting to learn about that. But I do realize now that I get taxed on that. I, the only crappy part about that was I, I gave it all away to our employees, which our employees really loved at the oh, time. We were, see, that is a good place to work when the boss wins money, he hands it out. Yeah, at our at our uh, at the time we were pretty little, so everybody almost got like two thousand dollars cash, like uh, which was really fun. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good big for win. You. It was awesome. Well, I will see you at Manifest, and uh, ho- hopefully, I'll get some of that luck, and we'll uh, we'll win some money at the time. You will definitely find me gambling <laughs> at Manifest. You can guarantee that. And you like the conference too, right? Oh, the conference. Is world class. I think there's so many good people that are there. I was I, I hadn't ever heard of it until last year. I think it was the well, first last year. year was the first year, and I was shocked at how many people were there and how solid it was. Uh, it was a good mix of people that you know you normally don't see at other conferences. Yes, I will put that in the show notes because uh, I do have uh, I do have they have already announced some of the speakers, so I will put a link to manifest and uh, I will see you there. Awesome. It, it, gets, it gets cold in Michigan in January, and I'd love to be at a nice conference in Vegas with all this, with all the cool kids. Anyway, Taylor, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate appreciate what you guys are doing, but I really love talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it as well. Thanks for having me on. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.